Hello and welcome. I'm Gary Scheib. Thanks for listening in as we continue to talk with leaders in our community. And in the not-so-recent past, if we look for leaders in the field of truly effective mental health treatment, we may not have had too many to choose from. Our guests this morning are looking to build a future where mental illness is regarded as a disease rather than weakness. We welcome to the program Todd Crooks and Laura Crooks from Chad's Legacy Project. Laura and Todd, welcome. Thanks for coming today. Morning. Thanks, Gary. Yeah, nice thanks so much for having us, Gary. We're really um, excited to talk to you about this. Well, I'm glad you're here today because this seems like uh, a subject that we don't talk about enough, and I think that's kind of one of the parts of the problem, right? The stigma associated with mental health and mental illness. I hope we can get that, you know, and a number of other ideas uh, worked out today. We only have a short amount of time. It'll go by quick. Um, and let's uh, lay a little groundwork first uh, before we get uh, too far into this. Uh, Chad's Legacy Project, it's a nonprofit. You guys are the founders, right? Uh, are you part, you're not part of any state. It's not a city nope. or county agency nope. or anything, right? No, nope, it's not. And are you, you're not a direct service provider like that, are you? No. Nope. Okay. And so let's, let's get to uh, filling in then what you do. Yeah. Um, you, you're really an advocacy, right? Raising awareness and trying to get some real changes, not just talking about it, but you guys want to push to get some real, actual, effective changes made in the system. And <laughs> when I say the system, big institutions like healthcare, uh, man, it's like trying to stop a battleship in the middle of the ocean and turn it around, isn't it? Yeah, it sure is. And, you know, it's not just healthcare. It's also the education system. It's the government system. It's the justice system. Uh, mental health affects a lot of areas um, in our society that need some pretty significant change. Including private insurance. Private oh, yeah. insurance, too. Yeah. Wow, that is a huge, and that's on, at least on people's minds these days that uh, changes are coming, but how can we change them or what should we change? Or Man, those are, those are big and big questions. Uh, and you guys yeah. have hosted... Uh, a kind of mental health care summit in the past. You're going to do another one again, right? Yeah, yes. exactly. On May 8th at the Hub at the University of Washington. Yeah. And so this will bring together a lot of people. Let, let's back up just a little bit, I guess, maybe to emphasize what we're going to talk about, the gaps and maybe the unmet needs in our mental health care system. Perhaps you could walk us through your own journey in creating Chad's Legacy Project that got you to this point that said, man, there are too many things wrong with what's going on. And unfortunately, it's a tragic story, but I think it'll probably lay the groundwork for people and let them realize, boy, this isn't just theoretical. This is real people's lives. Yeah. Do you want to start, Todd? Well, our son, about just over two years ago, died by suicide. He was 21 years old, and he had not long before, perhaps six, seven months, been diagnosed with schizophrenia. And Laura being connected in the healthcare world, we had access to the best insurance at that time. You know, they talked about the Cadillac mental health plan, or I mean the Cadillac uh, health plan. plans uh, for insurance, and we had that. And Laura had connections to the very best psychiatrists and the, the heads of, of departments from Children's to the University of Washington. And Chad was immediately placed in care. But there are several families of gaps within the mental health system, all of which create real frustration with not only the person who's battling mental illness, but the, the support group around them. And 
it didn't take long for Chad to build a belief that things just were never going to get better. And it's almost kind of a feedback loop where the worse the disease gets, the more you believe the voices that are talking in your head. And those voices may not be accurate. And so you begin to lose hope because you're essentially telling yourself that you're not going to get better, even though the people around you are saying, look, we're going to fight this. We're catching this early and people get through this and we're going to help you. You, we've, we're going to do whatever it takes. And some of the, some, sometimes those words just kind of get lost in the haze of psychosis. I would say also that, um, for Chad, when he, so he started out with a psychotic break, went into the hospital, and then was being seen an outpatient. And in that outpatient care, he would go to his appointment, and he wouldn't be able to attend his appointment because he went and he didn't have money for parking. And so he didn't want to get his car towed, so he wouldn't go to his doctor's appointment. Or he, you know, he held a job and held a job like he went to work the day before the day he, um, the day before he died, um, but he would have uh, his work and he would have a doctor's appointment, and he wouldn't know which one he needed to go to, and so he would go to work because he didn't want to lose his job, and he wouldn't go to his doctor's appointment. Well, in those appointments, he felt like, you know, they weren't really helping all that much, and. If he missed them, nobody really called him to say, hey, you missed your appointment. It's really important that you make every single one. So he sort of started to figure that it didn't really matter whether he went or he didn't go. Um, and It doesn't nothing, sound too far off of what a 21-, 20-year-old kid thinks anyway. No, nothing ever right. changes at the appointments anyway was his yeah. mindset. Yeah, I see. Yeah. So and was he on medication and he, was he able to stay on medication or was that one of those other things that – aren't followed through and say, uh, you haven't been taking your medication, this will really help. Was yeah. that yeah. one of the problems too? It was uh, take this medication and and it's not working and they'd say, well, take it for six weeks and then we'll try a different medication or we'll try to up it. So it was all trial and error. We don't know yet. There's not a good science around exactly what medication and what dose will work for what person. Mm. We haven't done enough research around that yet to understand exactly how the brain works and a lot of it's trial and error. And people who are over 13, and especially if you're over 18, in the mental health system, there are lots of privacy laws for very many good reasons. But the problem is if you are a family person, a family member, and you have a child like Chad, an adult child, but still my child, uh, who is undergoing mental health care, you're not given any information or access to any information about is he taking his medications, is he missing his appointments, and he would forget. Oh, and, no. and so it put us in the place of not being able to help him in the way that he needed to be helped. The other thing is that Chad was a super smart kid, and as many, many teenagers and young adults now look for information, they look on the internet. The internet is the worst place you can look 
for mental health advice sometimes. And certainly if you're trying to look for prognosis for somebody with schizophrenia, and he gave up hope. Mm. Wow. There's so many uh, parts to that story that highlight <laughs> troubles in the, the system, but it just sounds so tragic for you. I'm Gosh, I'm so sorry for your loss. Um, let me just start with what you said about um, you're not able to tell if he is or isn't taking his medication mm-hmm. due to privacy laws. Is that a simple or is that an incredible hurdle to get over to say to the system? And maybe it takes lots of lawyers and uh, Congress people on your side and, and governors or something to say, yes, we should change the privacy laws for this kind of illness so that a person can check in, have a, a double, you know, and a, someone who will say, yes, you're accountable and get... I mean, what kind of tr- uh, hurdles and obstacles are there in making these, you know, maybe it's not only an incremental change, but it might have a vast difference in someone's life. There is relatively new legislation going through now, uh, partly drafted by some, some folks at NAMI, trying to insert parental rights into a, a child's uh, care because I think the, the age of privacy is what Laura 16 it's 13 it's for 13 health. years old so the there is one thing uh, politically that both ends of the spectrum agree on and both ends of the the spectrum agree that the individual uh, cannot have their rights infringed upon and that they need to be left alone and they need to make their own decision Ironically, in mental health, that doesn't really help the patient. And it really, by definition, somebody who is mentally ill doesn't always have the capability of making the best decisions for their care. We, in one respect at least, were lucky in that Chad recognized he had a disease he still kind of kept it quiet because of stigma, but he enabled us to to help him get care. And he was cooperative in treatments and willing to go to appointments. That's not always the case. Sometimes somebody in psychosis is either so steeped in stigma that they are fearful that if they except the fact that they have a mental illness, it means that they are defective in everyone else's eyes. Hmm. Or they just simply feel like they don't, they don't know enough about mental illness, so they, they feel like if, if I open up and tell people what I'm dealing with, they're not going to be able to fix it anyway, so I'll just kind of work on this and see if I can make it go away. Both are equally damaging, but at least Chad accepted help. It just was that in various pieces of the system, it's just too cumbersome uh, to, to manage by yourself. Um, so, gosh, uh, there are a lot of different ways we can go here when we talk about different things, but are there are these things state done, you know, the way, uh, or is it a national or just institutional, these kind of things? And, and as you advocate for change, Chad's Legacy Project, are you working here on the, in the state with those kind of laws to get little changes made? And then it goes on to the health care industry and doctors and, and research and hospitals and, and universities that teach and are doing research. I mean, 
how do yeah. you push the needle in, in those ways? Or <laughs> so um, I, that's a big question. Yeah. Take any one of those mm-hmm. you want. You know Laura. what? I I I, uh, I appreciate how big that question is. It's and a four-hour interview. <laughs> I know. Right? I know. Well, that's why you guys have a summit <laughs> yeah. instead of just a that's half-hour right. chat yeah. here, right? Exactly. And uh, but I think that there are some key things that we have learned. Um, that is the reason why we started Chad's Legacy Project um, and that people can go on uh, chadslegacy.org to read more information if they want. But basically, um, after losing Chad with all of the resources that we have, so I'm a senior director at Seattle Children's Hospital and know about the healthcare system and could get really good access and still this happened. And we have a really loving family who is really supportive of each other um, with a big extended family um, here in Seattle, lots of supports, and still this happened. And there are lots of people who don't have those resources. And every day, um, there are people being diagnosed with mental illness. And we have all heard about some of the really horrific tragedies of losing people yes. um, lately. And so after we lost Chad, we said, how could this happen? How could this happen? And we started talking with people, talking about what happened to Chad, finding out what else was out there, what didn't we know. Because I work uh, at Children's and I know the importance about talking about healthcare um, and knew that there was this stigma that Todd and I had come across in talking to so many people, um, we started really speaking out and, and did a blog that was the most read blog in the history of Children's Hospital, even with all the advertisement that they do. Uh, and we set up our website and people started contacting us. Um, moms who said, I need help. This is, you know, this happened to my child dads who said, I've lost my son to this and didn't want to really tell anybody. People from all over, from all over in our neighborhood, in King County, in the state of Washington, and actually from throughout the world, people reaching out to us saying, what do I do? How how can I get help for my brother, my sister, my child, my mom, whatever that is? And then speaking to those people who provide that care and finding out about there are great pockets of care that are being provided and great pockets of ideas like Pilsy with their pill top that is, um, can send a text to a family member that says, hey, your person didn't take their pills today. Remind them of taking their pills because it measures the pill bottle being opened. The pill bottle is interactive. Yes. Wow, cool. Yeah. It's a cap that fits on a standard prescription bottle, yeah. and it has a little switch in it that registers opening and, and closing. Yeah, great and, idea. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there are um, clubhouses where people with mental illness can go and be with other people and and realize that, hey, there are people living productive lives and I'm not alone and I can get help, and they will help with employment and social skills for people with mental illness and make sure that they get all of those necessities that they need. So there's these great pockets of things that are happening out there, but you have to know about them. And people didn't really talk to each other. And one time we were down in Tacoma learning about 
some mental health education in high schools that were happening. And Todd and I looked at each other and said, there's so many great things and none of these people are talking to each other. What if we brought people together? And what if we said, okay, we can turn Washington, which is ranked 47th in care for people with mental illness. Wow. And if we brought these people together, maybe we could turn us from the bottom to the top. And maybe we could go from the 47th to the 5th or the 1st. Seemed like an easy sell to pull maybe a couple of counties together and, and bring a, a few key stakeholders together to, to drive some discussion. To how, how tough would it be to get a, a few counties participating in some kind of summit? And then, and and in that, we also said, but it's not just those people who are providing the care, right? It's about these kids who are in schools who need education. We provide CPR to kids in public schools, but we don't give them anything about mental health. Mm-hmm. It's not a requirement. And there are standards that the OSPI, the Office for the Superintendent of Public Instruction, have around literacy for mental health. And, but they're not, no schools are required to teach that. So what if we had them teach that? What if we brought in payers to say, hey, you want to use the money that you're spending on the people that you're providing health care for, insurance for, in the best way? We know mental health is a big issue. Um, what if you came to the table and heard about these pockets of excellence that you might want to invest in and say, yeah, we'll pay for that so that somebody could get better. What if we brought the government officials into the room to hear what the insurance companies and the schools and the providers are saying, where they could say, oh, gosh, we could draft legislation around these couple of things that our whole state could get around to really move that needle. And so that's what we did on October 5th. Wow. So that is a great idea of what a couple of people can do to change things. And, and like you said, you threw out the, the website Chad's Legacy before. Chadslegacy.org, right? Mm-hmm. Online, uh, people can learn more about this. And the summit you had in October brought those kind of, you're going to do it again, right? In the yes. spring. Yeah. Uh, I think I have the date here, May 8th, right? right. It's at the University of Washington. And that has its own website that yes. people can look and investigate a little bit more about that. That is WMH. WA. M-H. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, for Washington. Yeah, W-A- Washington Mental Health Summit, W-A-M-H org. Okay, and then people can learn more about the specifics of that, yeah. sign up. Uh, is it like workshop? Is it, like you said, all those different kind of people might have a talk on somebody who's got a great idea. This is effective. It should be done this way. And I don't know, doctors, hospitals, like you said, legislators can hear about right. it and go, oh, that makes sense. I don't know why we're not doing that. Yeah. So out of the first summit, we really, out of talking to all these people, we um, had five areas that we focused on for the first summit, five focus areas. And each one of those five focus areas had two initiatives that came out from um, people who know what they're doing in the community. Like to get and, something really done. Yeah. This can be done. Yeah. So the five focus areas were the use of technology in mental health, education in schools, and particularly high schools peer and family support and how we support peers and families to support somebody who has mental health, first episode psychosis, and workforce development. Um, 
And so out of that, we've got these initiatives. We charged people to come up with actions and see change in the first six months. All of those will be reported out at the next summit, which we hope to have five to 700 people come and join us at the hub. So please sign up on that website, wamhsummit.org. Great ideas. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then in the afternoon, on you'll hear about all those summits, all those ideas during the morning. And then in the afternoon, we'll have the legislators speak and we'll have payers speak and um, different people uh, in different panels to talk about how people can get involved and what's actually happening in our state. We are talking this morning with Todd and Laura Crooks from Chad's Legacy Project, hoping that uh, Washington State can be a model for the nation as an example of how to reduce stigma, uh, how to help mentally ill people, education through youth, uh, all sorts of great ways. We're talking about changing the mental health care system and the outlook for people. Uh, Again, Chad's Legacy Project online. You have a website, chadslegacy.org. And as you said, the summit coming up in May wamhsummit.org. Uh, we're going to have a couple of minutes left. Uh, you know, we, these are big topics, so I, I encourage people to go to those websites. Let me no- narrow it down to this for a while. And educating school-age kids and that stigma you talked about, is starting young, I'm assuming, will be a big help. But how about the, the doctors and the parents they turn to? Don't they also have to hear the same kind of, yeah, it's not a weakness. It's a real disease. We can treat this. I mean, where, where do those, is there a curriculum for that? I mean, how do you teach people this is, can be handled? Yeah. I mean, is that, or did you have to develop your own curriculum or where do you search for something like that? Todd, you want to talk about the high school work and then. I'm guessing the, by the pause, yeah. there's no easy answer. Oh, there is. The, the thing that we recognized very early on was the stigma portion of mental illness when when Chad was in the ED at the University of Washington for his first time having a, a psychotic break, and it became clear he was going to be admitted into the hospital, and he was going to be there for probably at least a week in the psychiatric unit. Instead of asking for his Game Boy and personal effects and a razor, things like that, that he might want to have on hand for a week. Mm-hmm. His first request was, could you please tell Corey, Macy, and Grady, his brothers and sister, that I'm, I'm just at a friend's house for a week. He didn't even want them to know that he was admitted into the hospital in a, a psych, psychiatric unit. Wow. And I think that's kind of when the, the big hammer of stigma sort of made us aware of what we were really up against. And then we realized after after talking to kids even outside of our family, and the only time in high school you get any kind of awareness in psychology and, and mental health is if by chance you're enrolled in AP Psych. Otherwise, in health class, you're learning about reproductive health. You're learning about drug uh, abuse or, or chemical dependency, uh, those sort of fairly basic things and, and basic anatomy type things. But you're not getting any type of education whatsoever in mental health and what mental illness is and the types of mental illness. 
So we started talking a lot about the fact that we needed mental health education in, in high schools inserted into health classes. And simultaneously, there was a lot of work being done down in Olympia through OSPI, the Office of the Superintendent of Public Instruction, and some great people at the Jordan Binion Project to advance a brand new curriculum to make available to, to schools. And when we met them, it, it just kind of felt like a natural partnership to have us try to, to move this ball um, a little further downfield to get it into the state legislature where they could say, okay, you have to be teaching to these standards. So there is a House bill circulating right now in this session as we speak along with a companion Senate bill that for the first time introduces mental health literacy standards into legislation for a couple of pilot high schools. Granted, there are high schools now, just in the last two years, perhaps about 50 schools throughout the state that are executing this mental health education curriculum. But the goal is after this session to have a reference of some kind in legislation for mental health literacy so that in the 2019 session, it has set us up for success to create a statewide mandate for mental health literacy. Wow, that's, excellent. That's where we're headed. That's some real progress. Yeah, then. and then in companion with that, we've really um, worked with King County in particular, but really looking at everywhere to push um, mental health first aid and mental health first aid, you could think of as sort of like CPR for your brain. Okay. And uh, it's an evidence-based program that was developed out of the National Institute of Mental Health. And it is first aid for when somebody is having a mental health crisis. There are two different types. There's one that's mental health first aid, and then there's youth mental health first aid that spe specifically addresses um, those issues for teenagers. Um, who may be having a uh, mental health crisis or depression or anxiety. Um, and it's real practical information. It was developed for first responders, really, but now it's being pushed out to families. Um, and Children's has partnered with uh, Evergreen and with King County to provide more youth mental health first aid classes so that people know how to address things like how do you sit across, do you sit across from someone or do you sit next to them? If somebody's hearing voices, it doesn't, it's not helpful to say, oh, I don't hear those, it, or, or to say those voices aren't real. It's helpful to say, I'm not experiencing those. Can you tell me what you're hearing and do you think that they're right? You know, wow. like it's is, real practical stuff for yeah, families. That is that is so nice to hear that something like that is moving forward. And everything you guys are doing sounds like you're, there's momentum, and this is is moving forward. And mm -hmm. perhaps Washington won't be 46 no, or 47th, whatever no. you said uh, yeah. on the list. The next time they they make those uh, checks, gosh, that is so. Uh, impressive, I think, that, that we're making progress. We've been talking this morning with uh, Todd and Laura Crook from Chad's Legacy Project about getting broader access to mental health care treatment. Uh, uh, did we give out enough uh, contact information? Because we're going to run out of time here before too long. So the website again and then yeah. the summit. Yeah. So there's the uh, chadslegacy.org is uh, how you can get in contact with us. Just spelled out like that. Chad's, yep. Chad's Legacy. C-H-A-D-S Legacy.org. 
And then for the summit, if people would like to come join us on May 8th at the Hub at the University of Washington, we'll have all kinds of people at the next summit. And that's WAMHSummit.org, and people can sign up right there. It'll be a room full of people who want to be present to help move this needle even further forward and enact some change. You know, if you would have asked me uh, toward the, the middle of 2016 when we were just starting this, this crusade, as it were, what the state of affairs was at that time for the world of mental health, I would have told you it is bleak, it is broken, there are so many things to fix. But for people who ask me what it's like right now, my response is, well, there is a ton to fix, but there is a lot happening underneath the surface right now. And 2018 is a very exciting year in that respect. Wonderful. Gosh, thank you guys so much. for. We are out of time right now. Thank you so much for being here and sharing what you have. But like I said, there's lots more uh, important things coming down the road. So yeah. I encourage people, again, uh, check in online, chadslegacy.org and WAMHSummit.org. That's coming in May, the Mental Health uh, Summit. Thank you guys so much for being here. We have been talking with Laura and Todd Crooks, founders of Chad's Legacy Project. Thank you guys for coming in, like I said, and gosh, a bigger thanks for working on behalf of those affected by mental illness here in Washington State. Thank you so much. Thanks, thanks so for much, having Gary. us, Gary. Thank and you. And thanks for having this really important conversation. I'm glad to have had it. Thank you so much for being here. I am Gary Scheib. Thanks for listening today. We hope you've learned something new Join us again next week as we continue to talk with people that are making a difference in our community.